With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lily had discovered that she had been deceived and that her forgiveness had been asked not by a god, but by an ordinary human being. As regarded the ungodlike man himself, this could make no difference. Having thought upon the matter deeply, she had resolved that she would not marry Mr. Crosby, and had pledged herself to that effect to friends who never could have brought themselves to feel affection for him, even had she married him. But the shattering of the false image might have done John Ames a good turn. Lily knew that she had at any rate full permission from all her friends to throw in her lot with his, if she could persuade herself to do so. Mother, uncle, sister, brother-in-law, cousin, and now this new cousin's bride that was to be, together with Lady Julia and a whole crowd of Allington and Guestwick friends, were in favour of such a marriage. There had been nothing against it but the fact that the other man had been dearer to her, and that other fact that poor johnny lacked something something of earnestness something of manliness something of that phoebus divinity with which crosby had contrived to invest his own image but as i have said above john had gradually grown if not into divinity at least into manliness and the shattering of the false image had done him yeoman's service now had come this accursed letter, and Lily, despite her better judgment, could not sweep it away from her mind and make the letter as nothing to her. M.D. had promised not to interfere with her. There was no room for such interference, no possibility that such interference should take place. She hoped earnestly, so she told herself, that her old friend John Ames might have nothing to do with a woman so impudent and vulgar as must be this M.D., but, except as regarded old friendship, M.D. and John Ames, apart or together, could be as nothing to her. Therefore I say that the letter had had the effect which the writer of it had desired. All London was new to Lily Dale, and Mrs. Thorne was very anxious to show her everything that could be seen. She was to return to Allington before the flowers of May would have come, and the crowd and the glare and the fashion and the art of the Academy's great exhibition must therefore remain unknown to her. But she was taken to see many pictures, and among others she was taken to see the pictures belonging to a certain nobleman who, with that munificence which is so amply enjoyed and so little recognized in England, keeps open house for the world to see the treasures which the wealth of his family has collected. The necessary order was procured, and on a certain brilliant April afternoon Mrs. Thorne and her party found themselves in this nobleman's drawing-room. 
Lily Dale was with her, of course, and Emily Dunstable was there, and Bernard Dale, and Mrs. Thorne's dear friend, Mrs. Harold Smith, and Mrs. Thorne's constant and useful attendant, Sif Dunn. They had nearly completed their delightful but wearying task of gazing at pictures, and Mrs. Harold Smith had declared that she would not look at another picture till the exhibition was open. Three of the ladies were seated in the drawing-room, and Sif Dunn was standing before them, lecturing about art as though he had been brought up on the ancient masters. Emily and Bernard were lingering behind, and the others were simply delaying their departure till the truant lovers should have caught them. At this moment two gentlemen entered the room from the gallery, and the two gentlemen were Fowler Pratt and Adolphus Crosby. All the party except Mrs. Thorne knew Crosby personally, and all of them except Mrs. Harold Smith knew something of the story of what had occurred between Crosby and Lily. Sif Dunn had learned it all since the meeting in the park, having nearly learned it all from what he had seen there with his eyes. But Mrs. Thorne, who knew Lily's story, did not know Crosby's appearance. But there was his friend Fowler Pratt, who, as will be remembered, had dined with her but the other day, and she, with that outspoken and somewhat loud impulse which was natural to her, addressed him at once across the room, calling him by name. Had she not done so, the two men might probably have escaped through the room, in which case they would have met Bernard Dale and Emily Dunstable in the doorway. Fowler Pratt would have endeavoured so to escape and to carry Crosby with him, as he was quite alive to the expedience of saving Lily from such a meeting. But, as things turned out, escape from Mrs. Thorne was impossible. "'There's Fowler Pratt,' she had said when they first entered, quite loud enough for Fowler Pratt to hear her. "'Mr. Pratt, come here. How do you do? You dined with me last Tuesday, and you've never been to call.' "'I never recognized that obligation till after the middle of May,' said Mr. Pratt, shaking hands with Mrs. Thorne and Mrs. Smith, and bowing to Miss Dale. "'I don't see the justice of that at all,' said Mrs. Thorne. "'It seems to me that a good dinner is as much entitled to a morsel of pasteboard in April as at any other time. You won't have another till you have called, unless you're specially wanted.' Crosby would have gone on, but that in his attempt to do so he passed close by the chair on which Mrs. Harold Smith was sitting, and that he was accosted by her. "'Mr. Crosby,' she said, "'I haven't seen you for an age. Has it come to pass that you have buried yourself entirely?' He did not know how to extricate himself so as to move on at once. He paused and hesitated, and then stopped, and made an attempt to talk to Mrs. Smith as though he were at his ease. The attempt was anything but successful. But, having once stopped, he did not know how to put himself in motion again so that he might escape.' At this moment Bernard Dale and Emily Dunstable came up and joined the group, but neither of them had discovered who Crosby was till they were close upon him. Lily was seated between Mrs. Thorne and Mrs. Smith, and Sip Dunn had been standing immediately opposite to them. Fowler Pratt, who had been drawn into the circle against his will, was now standing close to Dunn, almost between him and Lily, and Crosby was standing within two yards of Lily, on the other side of Dunn. Emily and Bernard had gone behind Pratt and Crosby to Mrs. Thorne's side before they recognized the two men, and in this way Lily was completely surrounded. Mrs. Thorne, who in spite of her eager impetuous ways, was as thoughtful of others as any woman could be, as soon as she heard Crosby's name, understood it all, and knew that it would be well that she should withdraw Lily from her plight. 
Crosby, in his attempt to talk to Mrs. Smith, had smiled and simpered, and had then felt that to smile and simper before Lily Dale, with a pretended indifference to her presence, was false on his part and would seem to be mean. He would have avoided Lily, for both their sakes, had it been possible. But it was no longer possible, and he could not keep his eyes from her face. Hardly knowing what he did, he bowed to her, lifted his hat, and uttered some word of greeting. Lily, from the moment that she had perceived his presence, had looked straight before her, with something almost of fierceness in her eyes. Both Pratt and Sif Dunn had observed her narrowly. It had seemed as though Crosby had been altogether outside the ken of her eyes, or the notice of her ears, and yet she had seen every motion of his body, and had heard every word which had fallen from his lips. Now, when he saluted her, she turned her face full upon him and bowed to him. Then she rose from her seat and made her way, between Sif Dunn and Pratt, out of the circle. The blood had mounted to her face and suffused it all, and her whole manner was such that it could escape the observation of none who stood there. Even Mrs. Harold Smith had seen it and had read the story. As soon as she was on her feet, Bernard had dropped Emily's hand and offered his arm to his cousin. "'Lily,' he said out loud, "'you had better let me take you away. It is a misfortune that you have been subjected to the insult of such a greeting.' Bernard and Crosby had been early friends, and Bernard had been the unfortunate means of bringing Crosby and Lily together. Up to this day Bernard had never had his revenge for the ill-treatment which his cousin had received. Some morsel of that revenge came to him now. Lily almost hated her cousin for what he said, but she took his arm and walked with him from the room. It must be acknowledged in excuse for Bernard Dale, and as an apology for the apparent indiscretion of his words, that all the circumstances of the meeting had become apparent to every one there. The misfortune of the encounter had become too plain to admit of its being hidden under any of the ordinary veils of society. Crosby's salutation had been made before the eyes of them all, and in the midst of absolute silence, and Lily had risen with so queen-like a demeanour, and had moved with so stately a step, that it was almost impossible that any one concerned should pretend to ignore the facts of the scene that had occurred. Crosby was still standing close to Mrs. Smith, Mrs. Thorne had risen from her seat, and the words which Bernard Dale had uttered were still sounding in the ears of them all. "'Shall I see after the carriage?' said Sif Dunn. "'Do,' said Mrs. Thorne, or, "'Stay a moment. The carriage will of course be there, and we will go together. "'Good-bye, Mr. Pratt. I expect that at any rate you will send me your card by post.' Then they all passed on, and Crosby and Fowler Pratt were left among the pictures. "'I think you will agree with me now that you had better give her up,' said Fowler Pratt. I shall never give her up, said Crosby, till I hear that she has married someone else. 